0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Clever Kids. This is a weekly podcast where three brothers take a topic from uh, popular culture that you may or may not care about and uh, pick out it just a little bit. Uh, my name is Tyler and I am joined as always by my co-hosts and brothers, Brian. How's it going, everybody? And Jeffrey.
1: Hey, how's everyone doing?
0: Doing all right. Um, how's, how's everybody? Everybody good? Everybody had a good week? Weekend, long weekend.
2: Yeah, Absolutely amazing week.
0: Yeah. Brian, uh, real quick congratulations on Pod for a one year anniversary.
2: Uh yeah, thank you very much. The cake was as good as the day we first tried it on the wedding day. So
0: You guys okay. kept your wedding cake?
2: We yeah, it's like a tradition. You like freeze it for the year and then yeah. you pull it bust it out on your anniversary and eat it. And mom was telling me that uh you know, they had like one bite and tossed theirs because it was like a year old. And I was kind of worried that we were going to do the same, but I've had like four slices of cake this weekend. So ours is pretty good. Uh, we just threw it away. We threw away about half of it, but that was more oh, for yeah. not gaining a bunch of weight.
0: You know, uh, you could have brought day. it over here and I would have uh, decimated that for you. But yeah, it was um, fantastic. anyway, uh, Jeff, no congratulations necessary for you, but congratulations nonetheless uh, for you. Um, Being the first Perry boy with a beard and yet the youngest of us. Although, Brian, your beard's looking pretty good these days. Yeah, mine was definitely first. (laughs) Jeff's had the full beard for way longer than you.
2: Is that even a full beard? I don't see anything on the cheeks. What are you talking about? His cheeks look full. You
0: You guys both have more of a beard than I probably will ever be able to grow somehow. And I'm the oldest of the three of us. (laughs) I
2: I started growing mine out uh, in spring term 2016, right before I graduated. So mine's older than Jeff's. Okay. Anyway, no rebuttal. <laughs> I,
1: I shave my I shave mine periodically, so it just grows. Yeah.
0: All right, and that was another episode of the Beard Boys. Um, yep. We are going to get right on into the topic this week, which is uh, probably no surprise. It is Shang Chi, the newest Marvel film uh, to hit theaters. Um, let's all give just a quick one sentence review before we go straight into spoilers um brian how did you feel about shang chi uh,
2: i thought it was really good um it delivered on everything i was expecting um i you know he's a very engaging actor i've been seeing his stuff all over reddit too by the way he's becoming a, a reddit legend right now i don't know if you guys know anything about that but we can touch on that but uh the movie itself um overall really really good
0: um yeah i i, I don't have any disagreement there jeff how are you feeling
1: yeah, I, th- I thought it was a very, very entertaining movie. Uh, I mean, it was a standard Marvel film, incredible action, um, definitely different. Definitely it's unique with its uh, heavy Chinese infusion um, and, and slightly different tone with you know various mystic elements, but still super enjoyable. Do you guys feel like they Americanized it in any way? Just out
2: of curiosity, because I think we both felt like, or my wife and I both felt like they did a pretty good job of not doing that, but I wanted to see if you guys had that same opinion
0: um i think we can definitely touch base on touch on that i have some notes there um so we can we can touch on that in uh as we go into the conversation but um yeah i'll just quickly say i enjoyed it um i definitely have uh some some notes that i would like to extend to marvel and the directors but uh for the most part i i did think it was good um And uh, yeah, so yeah, I think that's uh, everybody. Everybody's pretty positive on it. So let's just jump right into spoilers. Um, Brian, you brought up the topic right there right at the top of um, the Americanization. Jeff, you had mentioned something about the Chinese influences. I think that that's a really strong part to start. Um, I think that uh, it definitely felt like a Chinese film all the way through i watch a lot of chinese uh films I, I i like chinese cinema hong kong cinema specifically but i like a lot of all all of it um it had a lot of stars from chinese cinema you know michelle yo tony uh luang um really really uh extremely famous chinese actors um really talented i cannot get over how handsome tony luang is still uh he's the guy who played the Mandarin. He's, like, in his mid-50s, and I was just like, God damn, this guy is – he just is a very handsome man. Um, he uh, He's in a movie by Wong Kar Wai called In the Mood for Love. It's a romance film that's often uh, touted as one of the best foreign language films ever made. Um, so, you know, he, he, he comes from an extreme pedigree. Michelle Yeoh, um, I mean, we know her. Wasn't she in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a character? I thought that she was in – one of those or like in a marvel thing I don't, already I, don't, I think but the, uh
1: no i think that the, the girl that played linda no or the, the character from Major of the shield was a different actress. i think
0: at, at any rate um i uh i definitely think that there was a strong influence of chinese cinema in this movie which is of no surprise the director is chinese um all of the actors are chinese a lot of them come from chinese cinema um, and it's a it's a chinese character which you know obviously that's you know gonna come with that sort of thing um how did you Brian, you you had mentioned that you felt like they they did a good job of not um not a- americanizing it too much right that's what you said yeah um yeah i mean i, I definitely didn't get anything where i felt like it was they had like whitewashed it for our general audience right i think that uh they definitely lent into some of the tropes of chinese cinema right um i think that obviously they have to fit it into the greater marvel universe so you get a lot of that but you know as far as i mean are there any characters oh well yeah there's razor fist or whatever that guy's name was that he's the only like genuinely like white actor in the film really. Right. Yeah.
1: Like, and even he's, you know, not American. He's there, he's like Albanian or something.
0: Yeah. I I think is that the guy that played Drago's son in Creed two?
1: Yeah. saying that Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think he's Russian. Um but uh yeah anyway um Jeff, how did you feel about that, like the the Americanization, or you know how they brought in those Chinese influences?
1: No, I thought it was I thought it was very enjoyable. You know, I I think that uh, moving in from from phase four from Marvel away from the Infinity Saga, we need to start seeing uh, new life brought into the world of Marvel. Like they can't just keep putting out this in cookie cutter films, especially since we're moving on to new 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 heroes. It'd be one thing if it's you know the next Captain America movie decides to have the same tones and the same. Uh, pacing and action as the previous Mar- Captain, Mar- Captain America films. But as we introduce new characters, I think we need to continue to expand on different cinematic styles. And I think that <clears throat> building on what's an existing for uh, Chinese film culture, I-, I think that was a smart move. I think they did a great job. I think that the, the main actor, uh, his name's Semi Liu, right? S- Simu? 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 Yeah. Simu Liu, um, it was very entertaining. Like just just being this uh, this super polite apologetic but badass fighter um, was, was very entertaining. This this mixture of beating the shit out of the bad guys and then like politely saving all of the the civilians that were in harm's way, especially like the bus scene and stuff when he's um, I don't know apologizing. I, I thought it was very humorous. It, it um, had
2: some uh, it had some kind of echoes of Ninja Assassin. Like, the kind of the underlying, like, his background storyline. I don't know if you guys remember that movie, but... Yeah, I love the, that
0: movie, and I was thinking yeah. about it the whole time I was watching yeah, this. Yeah, because he's like... Specifically, the daughter fights, or the sister fights with the same weapon that he fights with.
2: Yeah, and he goes up through the training and becomes, the like, the best of them in the secret organization. And then he goes on a mission, and then ends up... That ends up being the catalyst for him bailing on the organization. And then he tries to assimilate into normal life, but he just can't get away from it. And then all of a sudden they they come in t- you know back into his life and I was just like wow this is I'm getting some ninja assassin vibes but yeah gonna- and
0: they both end in a mystical land where two dragons fight each other so I mean there's that parallel as
2: well no no they don't go watch Ninja <laughs> Assassin it's a good movie but that does not happen um, but anyway and you know who was- is in
0: that movie is Naomi Harris uh, yeah, Money Penny from the new James Money Bond Penny, movies I yeah. was like introduced her to the world but Yeah. so. Anyway.
2: Um, the reason why I brought that up about the American influences, because I was kind of trying to watch, uh, for stereotypes (laughs) playing out because, um, I know that, um, God, what's his name from the Eternals, Kumail Nanjiani, Nanjiani, Nanjiani. I know that he's like, like on record now recently is saying like, yeah, when we were filming the, you know, these movies, like I've been making a concentrated effort to, to avoid any kind of stereotyping of my nationality. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't. I can't touch on Pakistani stereotypes or Middle Eastern stereotypes right now, but I was kind of watching for it in this 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 film. Um, and the for the most part, you know, jokes about Asians being smart or you know whatever. Like, I didn't see a whole lot of that. The only one I was kind of curious as like, is karaoke uh, an Asian stereotype?
0: I don't think it's a stereotype. It's straight up a part of their culture like in Korea, okay. China and Japan, like they're, they're it's really massive. in, I mean, karaoke is a Japanese word, you know, like they're right. really into karaoke. Um, I don't, I don't think that there's any, I don't think that that's racist in any way. And yeah. I, I was just that curious because that was
2: the only one where I was thinking like, I wonder if that touches on it, but otherwise um, they avoided everything else the, the there was one where like they were kind of joking around about him and the chick getting married, but that was one that I felt like could have landed for, you know, two white actors or two black actors. It wouldn't have really mattered. It wasn't like they, they went with the, Traditional Asian woman role in the family thing. They just said, you know, when are you guys get married or whatever, and like that was fine. And so I I'm kind of glad part, that they, they did didn't dodge.
0: introduce any romance in there. Also, I was like, oh, they did. they're not like kissing. Like you can tell that they like each other and they love each other, but not in any sort of like truly romantic. Yeah, it's way. almost just
2: partners. Yeah, like I, it was good. Like and they and they avoided all that stuff for the most part, which I thought was great. Um, so yeah, I just I thought that was worth touching on because they did a good job of making this film without all that crap. You know that is just so common in those types of you know in any movies where you know an american film is being made about a different culture
0: yeah yeah i mean if anything they they kind of rebelled against the stereotypes i mean you have two chinese characters who instead of being displayed as like math geniuses or doctors or something like that they like park cars and instead of being like a bad driver leaning into those kinds of stereotypes aquafina is like a badass behind the wheel you know what i mean
1: what's her name aquafina
0: aquafina that's that's her She's like a YouTube rap star who oh. like does like joke raps. <laughs> and it's like Aquafina A W K, so it's like awkward. She's also but the voice Awkwafina. of the
2: dragon in that other in movie. Raya. Just yeah. Raya. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's had
0: she's had a big couple years. She was in a movie called Um Oh, what was it called? Uh, I can't remember, but it was really sad. I watched it. Um basically she goes to China to visit her family and in China. They the doctor gives the family the diagnosis that the grandmother the is going to die from cancer, but they don't tell the grandmother because they don't like that's part of their culture. But she's American from New York, and she's like she should know this. But the family is like you can't. That's not how we do things here. And it's like this like interculturalism within the same culture because of where they grow up and like you know how far like Chinese culture has kind of adopted Americanism or, you know, American ideals once you, you know, you, you know, she's like fifth generation American, but like her, her family still lives in, I guess that doesn't make sense. She's like second generation American, you know, she lives with American ideals and American people. Then she goes to China and China's like, no, 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 this isn't how, this is how we do things. And it's like, it's sort of this internal debate of, you know, what's right and what's wrong based on cultural, um, anyway. I cannot remember the name of that movie, but uh, it was yeah. very good. And she what did I, a really good job. So.
2: What I really appreciated about her character was that she wasn't just some smoke show supermodel, you know, like, oh yeah, she just happens to be parking cars and, you know, but she's, you know, make Asian Megan Fox kind of thing. Like, no, nah, she was just a pretty normal looking person. And like, that's, and that was totally fine for the role. It didn't like detract from it in any way. You didn't need to have some smoke show carrying that, that counterpart role to, what's his face, which I thought was great. But um, I will say her humor in the beginning was funny, but then it, it like towards the end, I, she wasn't really making me laugh anymore. I don't know if they they tried to like mute the the comedy towards the end and just, you know.
0: I will say that this movie was probably the least funny Marvel movie yeah. so far. Like it, I was it, like, it it always, there was no in the part beginning. in this movie that I really laughed at. Uh,
2: yeah. In the beginning, I thought it was kind of funny with, you know, like him, like he's working out in the morning and he's kind of like, he was about to get his day started and we're like, all right, cool. What kind of ass kicker is this guy on a daily basis. And then all of a sudden he's like taking a guy's keys at the front door of a hotel. And like, you know, and she's just like, I'll drive it so slow. I promise so slow. And then she's just ripping through the streets of San Francisco and he's like screaming. Like I thought some of that stuff was kind of funny, but they very quickly scaled it down in like the, the comedy really, you know, I think there was one or two parts, you know, throughout the rest of the film, but for the most part they, Oh, um, uh, obviously, the the original Mandarin guy coming back, Trevor Slattery or whatever was yep. ben was hysterical. Yeah, he was. He's
0: yeah, he's he killed that role. Great. I mean, he they, he was given a, like a, a weird role in this one, but he's given a weird role in the last one too. So, but he is he's just he's really good. I feel like um, that was
2: just their way of kind of nodding to that. Like we know we pissed a lot of people off with that, so we're gonna bring him back to try to like. Know,
0: have like, you seen the All Hail the Kid, like, All the Hell the King one shot? from that was released with iron man 3 on dvd so marvel used to do these things called one shots um, which were basically short films based in the marvel universe that they would release with their dvds they're all on youtube so you can go through and watch them they haven't done them in a while but i think the last one they did was for iron man 3 and it was called all hail the king and it was ben kingsley in prison talking about his life in prison and then a member of the 10 rings with the 10 Rings tattoo on his arm comes and he says the king wants to see you and like walks him off screen and basically you assume he goes to his death because the king is actually the actual mandarin and it's basically them kind of backtracking that whole mandarin debacle that they did with iron man 3 which i don't think i can forgive them for still (laughs) even though they finally gave us like the real mandarin and you know i like the way that they went about the mandarin reveal in this one well, how did you, Jeff? Is that what you were? going to say? I mean, I
1: I don't know if we could even rightfully call the character the Mandarin, right? I mean, in it's canon yeah, now that, a sure a that the Mandarin, he finds he the defensive, right? He's super like, oh, it's like, you know, it's from a different time. The right? character has kind of tried well, to own dish. it over it's time, but dish. I do like this one. They were like, he's like, he,
0: I'm not the Mandarin, but he is the Mandarin in all other ways, right? He has sure. the ten rings. He plays the role.
1: He plays the role of the Mandarin from the comics. They just take that kind
2: of like kind of offensive name and just crumple it up and throw it out in one, one good little bit of dialogue, which I thought was very effective. And there's times in other movies where I feel like they can take that similar approach to getting stuff right on the right track or addressing something that would be an issue, you know, among the fan base. And like, that's a moment that I'll point to going forward of like, they should have done something similar, just like one or two lines that kind of acknowledge it, say, Hey, we're aware. And this is why, you know what I mean? Like, and like that's all it takes like I'm, i was totally fine with that i thought it was a great way to do it
1: yeah, yeah. um but yeah so I, I thought that uh you mentioned earlier that the humor kind of stops throughout the film and i would say that the humor is actually carried through with with trevor slatterly ben ben kingsley character throughout the second half of the film like he had uh some really here like i was cracking up when they were talking about his obsession with the planet of the apes um yeah that was very funny <clears throat> they had to act
2: like they were riding horses <laughs> yeah. so um, you,
0: you think that those were real apes riding horses <laughs> he's like, yeah. like he's still the reveal that he still thinks that they trained apes to act is i yeah i was That's very funny. much laughing uh yeah that, that was that was funny. a really good scene yeah
2: they uh in there they have moments but i just felt like it it just felt more muted than it has in other films where like they make it like this sta- staple thing throughout the film and maybe it maybe it was. I'd have, Maybe it's on a rewatch I'll think differently. I just I just got this impression that in the beginning there was like a lot of ramped up humor and then they kind of like it was like an afterthought towards the end. And now admittedly Ben Kingsley's whole character is all comedy but at the same time um, yeah, I don't know. It just felt I just remember walking away and feeling like the last hour and a half of the film there just wasn't a ton of focus on
1: any laughter which is fine i mean that's when you're getting into the action so now yeah. to to the question of what did i think of the character that that played shang chi's father um shang chi's father i i thought that his you know one of the best villains of the mcu that we've seen so far i mean he he's one of the few villains that i could think of in this universe that is you know basically also a victim right i mean yeah. he's in a he's way his, he's right. uh very much you know just this misguided person that is letting grief uh, drive him to do yeah like he's things. already he's
2: already had his character development like before the episode uh, or like you don't really see that very often where like actually i can't think of another example where like you see him in his old conquering warlord phase but by the time this film starts he is past that and like and i kept waiting for him to pull the rug out and be like no, this is his actual motivation. He's just back into his power grab days. He never really loved their mother, like he, they just they're just weapons to him, like but that never happened. They like he genuinely had character development and had changed and I wouldn't even describe him as a villain per se by the time like the film really starts cuz he's not trying to like harm people. He's just trying to get his wife back and he's just convinced right. that she's still alive. So like it's kind of fascinating that your bad guy in this one has already come around. right Right? like i can't name another film where that's the case like i think that's the first time i've ever seen that yeah no he uh he he
0: definitely is like i like what you guys just said like he is sort of the victim like he is sort of just like he's he's never been able to move past this horrible thing that happened to him and that didn't it didn't necessarily turn him into an evil person um it just sort of he just was going about things in like his own in the way that he used to where he you know um the member or the the, the village leader of talo says to him like the sins of your past would have ruined this place you know what i mean like he had done so many bad things that like he was kind of trapped by them right his previous decisions and his thousands of years of living i do think that they could have leaned a little bit more into an explanation of why he was evil because they do play him at like portray him so sympathetically that you almost just feel bad for him the whole time. And you can tell that like, he's angry and he's sad, but like, you kind of understand why he's doing the things that he's doing. And I like that. But at the same time, it's like when Shang-Chi is like, well, I have to kill him. I was just like, do you like, I feel like you don't, I feel like maybe you can help him see the light. Like that's harsh. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like a lot. Like he's sad. He's just like a very sad old, like, you know, man who's been alone. His family left him and his wife is dead. And, you know, like but, even up
2: to that part, I kept thinking like they're, they're going to find out that his dad never cared at all. And is just that same old warlord that had some scheme that is now boom. Now we see what it is. And that just never came to fruition. They stuck with him being a, a father who genuinely loves his kids and just wants his wife back. And I was just like, wow, I've never seen that because that's where it allows for you to understand that he's already changed. By the time this film is out or like has started. He is a, I could not put the bad guy label on him anymore, you know? No. And so that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I don't have a parallel to that. That's very unique.
0: Yeah, it it was. Um, let's talk about uh, maybe some of the, the plot here. If you had told me before this movie started that it was going to end with a dragon exploding and pieces of it flying all over the place, I would have said you were crazy. But that is exactly what happens at the end of this movie. He shoots rings down a dragon's throat and then causes it somehow the dragon to literally explode through like pieces fly everywhere. I was like, whoa, did not see that coming. Um, it's a bit of a weird third act reveal to have a two unnamed dragons just flying around fighting each other and people riding those dragons. Um That's part of the thing that is, you know, that's the sort of stuff that happens a lot in Chinese cinema. Um, You see these kinds of crazy big budget um, kaiju fights of sorts, right? I mean, kaiju is a Japanese term, but still, you know, large animal fights. Um, There was a bit of a weirdness with the Ta Lo part for me. Um, They sort of like, they just sort of say like, oh, here's how you get there. And then they just drive a BMW into it, you know? And then when they get there, one of the village elders says, get in your car and go back. And I'm like, how do you know what a car is? First of all, second of all, how can they go back? This pathway only opens once a year. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's just I I, I I don't know. How did you guys feel? Was there like any sort of weirdness in that third act? Did anyone else feel like that felt a little disjointed and kind of came out of nowhere?
2: I mean, I caught the car thing, and I don't think it really bothered me that much. I kind of got a sense that it was like Wakanda, where they're just aware. Like, them being those secret, you know, location gives them an advantage where they can kind of keep an eye on everything without eyes on them. And, uh, and so that didn't bother me too much. I just kind of assumed, okay, they're just aware of the outside world. Um, especially because, like, they were aware of the sister's death, even though she died out in the real world. So it's not like they're all just sitting in their town with no knowledge of what's going on out there. Um, but, um, the, the secret location thing, it, it was just totally Wakanda again. I kind of was like, we we're, were joking around a few episodes back about all these different secret organizations that, you know, maybe they should come up with a storyline to have them all like kind of hit at the same time and see what happens because the world is just infested with all these secret organizations that shield's not aware of. For it being, sounds like uh, we're
0: probably going to get a 10 rings Disney plus show based on the second credit scene. Yeah. Um, so but maybe that's where that comes from. I was kind of laughing
2: because I was just like, man, it's just, it's the, the difficulty of having decades and decades and decades of material to cover in comics where you have to start like going back to the same old tropes like, all right, now there's another secret society, you know, secret society or secret village in no one's ever found it because of this reason. And, and they're, they're different because this, and it's like, it just totally felt like Wakanda all over again. You know what I mean? Like it was like, I was just picturing that guy being like, take a car and go back. And I was just picturing Wakanda where they're like debating whether to like open up to the outside world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just very similar themes there. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, Jeff, did you have any thoughts on that third act weirdness or no i mean i thought uh I,
1: I, I definitely think that the third act is what sets this movie apart from the mcu um the most you know introducing this this kind of interdimensional realm of of Talos with all of these fantastical beasts that actually exists um definitely uh put this movie on a kind of different uh and i almost want to say genre um but uh i don't know it's I, I thought i didn't think it was too big of a step i mean it's obviously they weren't going to have the uh the the great evil one or whatever they called him win so they had to have shang chi have a way to beat him. so the
0: dweller in darkness or something i think they called him yeah
1: so so shang chi being able to use the ten rings to blow him up um you know, because they do show him harness like that that ball, like turn the 10 rings into a ball that he was going to use against his father before he discarded it. So he probably used some kind of a similar technique of harnessing all of the power to create some kind of an explosion. Well, why but,
2: couldn't he blast him from the outside if it was effective on it? Like, I don't know. That part, like, to me, it was like... Uh, eh, you know, okay. you have to have
0: something, right? Um, like, yeah. Did anyone get serious Dragon Ball Z uh, vibes from this movie and catch the multiple Dragon Ball Z references that happened?
2: I didn't catch the references. I did see, like... I was kind of had a thought of it like when they were there was a, a part where they were fighting oh he was fighting that dude with the painted face that guy was a total character straight out of Dragon Ball Z the painted like the, like lieutenant of his dad's yeah. and uh, that guy just totally felt like something straight out of Dragon Ball but when they were I wanted fighting more
0: from that like from that character I feel like they did like that character seemed like he was really good at martial arts and I wanted more fight scenes with them almost and it, we didn't uh, get a almost lot almost
2: felt like um, how they treated uh, Olga whatever in black widow where like you just don't get much like you see little hints of like this character being super awesome and then and then that's it they don't run with it but that scene where they were fighting one-on-one i just i had this one thought i'm always watching out with these movies with uh, martial arts in it like i wonder if they just sped that up a little bit if it would look good in a dragon ball movie you know like because the combat is, is probably one of the biggest deterrents for tackling a real dragon ball movie it's like so hard to capture how fast those characters move and, like, so I was watching him fight that guy, and I thought, I wonder if they could just speed that up and still somehow make it look natural enough to, like, translate to a Dragon Ball film. But I didn't come to a conclusion there. I just I just had that quick thought, and that it must have been triggered by that guy looking like he straight up came off of a, a Dragon Ball episode.
0: Yeah. Um, so the the reference I was talking about, I mean, Shang-Chi's... Uh,
2: uh, like... Oh, they did say Kamehameha at one point
0: yeah they make they make she's like you did that kamehameha move to defeat your father or something like that (laughs) so that's one one. i mean he definitely does he like catches the rings like (sighs) that and holds it as a big orange ball and then throws it like he does like you know like a kamehameha uh, blast um which is pretty cool um shang chi's um like varsity style jacket that he wears that bomber did anyone catch the colors it was that blue and orange which is very goku um that's funny yeah, there, there was just a couple things that I was just like, oh, they definitely are like throwing some references to Dragon Ball Z uh, in here for sure. Like, there's no way that they did that without that being a, you know, a choice, right? Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Anything else that we wanted to touch on? Um, Jeff, did you think that this was a missed opportunity to throw Fin Fang Foom into the Marvel movies? I thought for sure when the Dweller in Darkness came out, they're going to be like, he's out fin fang foom but when it came out i was like that is not fin fang foom so they better not call him that
1: i didn't think about that but that totally would have been a fun way because i don't know what else they would have that would have been how else
0: do they introduce that character right Right. maybe he's in in shang chi 2 or something i don't know um i mean what about the heart of the dragon situation did that remind you of any of your favorite characters from comic books at all
1: i i i'm you know, I didn't, I haven't heard of, I hadn't heard of Tao Lo before this, but I definitely looked up Tao Lo afterwards. I was wondering if it was just a, uh, a stand in for, for Kun Lun and if they were going to go with like an Iron Fist route. But um, I thought, you know, what they did with the film was great. Uh, and I, I don't know, I, I think. That but the there's... Heart of
0: the Dragon thing, that's straight
1: sure. out of Iron Fist. Like mm-hmm.
0: Iron Fist, Jeff, how does Iron Fist get his powers? Quick Iron, Fist,
1: Iron Fist gets named the champion of his village, Kun Lun. And, uh, gets to face the dragon and he uh, steals the the power from the heart of the dragon. He pierces the dragon's heart and uh, he fights
0: a dragon and pierces its heart. And then that's how he gets the power of the iron fist. Right. Yep. So they kept saying like, you have the heart of the dragon. I was like, is this a Shang-Chi thing? Cause I haven't read, I don't think I've read a single Shang-Chi comic. I've seen Shang-Chi in Avengers comics, obviously, but um I, uh, I, I, I don't know if that's, like, something that happens in their comic as well, or in, like, that world as well. But, yeah, for sure, that's an Iron Fist, or it feels like an Iron Fist reference. I mean, um, in all the
1: in all of the Shang-Chi appearances that I've seen, they, they very definitely very heavily reference him almost consistently of not having powers. He's one of those characters that uh, his power is not having a power. He's just the best human uh, out there.
0: Yeah, and I'm okay with him having the rings as a power, right? Because yeah. it's it's like a you know it makes him formidable in a way Absolutely. um how did you guys feel about the rings uh like the powers of the rings like based on our conversation from last week um how did you guys feel about those would you would they kind of rank high above the marvel weapons
1: uh, yeah i mean they're they're super strong uh, a little vague as far as what they do uh, i mean they, they seem or to how to you look-
0: control them in any way yeah
1: I mean, it seemed like the majority of their power was being able to project the rings off or onto your forearms. But then they're also able to use like some kind of telekinesis for like lifting people. Um, they create some sort of
0: force for flight or like high jump, long jumping, long jump. Well, he was, yeah, he was, he was projecting
1: jumping. the rings downward and then pulling them back onto his arm mid-flight.
0: Yeah, I don't know how that. That's still physics-wise. That still doesn't make any sense. I mean, I get it. Like, and, you know, you suspend disbelief, but I was just like, I don't really get what, what's happening I here. But it I looks cool. Loved, <laughs> I
1: would have loved a confirmation about where they come from, but it seems like that's Dude, something I was, they, they, yeah, they acknowledge it at the end of the film where Wong's like, I don't know what these are, but they seemed to call out to something. Like it's clear they clearly weren't like, hey, this is all you get. Like it seemed like they're going to touch on it next.
2: Yeah, it has to. Sure. You have to because I like. Yeah, as soon as. Um, tony lung blue whatever i I say luang i don't know Um, as soon as tony died uh, tony not stark died um i I was like shit are we never gonna find out how he got those rings like it doesn't touch on how he found them and so yeah i was just like oh my god i need to know where the rings come from i just don't understand that part like so in the comics
0: the man initially the mandarin gets them from like a crashed spaceship i think um and puts them on and they they're more like magic based they're actual rings that he wears on each of his fingers right so he has 10 rings on each like one on each finger right and they're like magical you know he has like sorcerer powers kinds of things and it's like he's he's one of iron man's main villains in the comics where he used to be he doesn't get used very often anymore because he's racist um well he's not racist but the character the caricature of him is is pretty not great um that being said i like this version of them better because they're not magic based they're kind of more like a power based situation um but i do like the idea that they're going to explore it um that conversation did anyone else feel like that that mid credit scene was really cheap looking like it looked really shitty when they're larson's clearly wearing a shitty wig and they're both holograms and all of a sudden she just goes like she waves her hand and just goes i gotta take this and then just walks off screen (laughs) i was like wow she clearly filmed that in her closet at home like that that looks like shit um bruce banner is interestingly not the hulk do you guys catch that he's not in hulk mode but he's still recovering from the snap it looks like Mm -hmm. um he's got his arm in a sling uh so that tells us where this is in the timeline i guess um Wong and Abomination are friends. I'm just going through some quick notes, uh, mental notes I made in Ab- my head.
2: Abomination has been changed, right? did not look anything like the Abomination that I remember. That was he like
0: looks like the Abomination from the comics. He looks now. like a
1: very yeah. comic accurate Abomination.
0: Yeah, he looks just like the one from the comics now. Which, with the big fins on the side of his head and like gills on his throat and stuff. Which
1: I don't know when else this would come up, but there seems to be. I've seen, I've read some, some a lot of movement of the Marvel fan community that they seem to be moving towards like a Thunderbolt film. I said show. that a
0: couple of weeks ago with uh, with John Walker and...
1: Uh, and with Abomination being in uh, some kind of containment facility, it seems like he's cooperational. So it looks like that's their powerhouse.
0: Yeah, m- maybe. Yeah, I definitely could see th- Thunderbolts coming. It seems like... Uh, Can you guys Julia
1: give like, like the uh,
0: two-sentence two two two
1: yeah. version uh, of what th- that is? A Thunderbolts is like a, uh, one of the Marvel uh, comic book teams. It's typically made up of anti heroes. Yeah. Sure. So
0: initially it was the Avengers all die after Secret Invasion, and then all of a sudden a new team of Avengers show up. And then by the end of the first issue, they all take their like they all have. There's like parallels to like there's like an Iron Patriot is one of them, and it's it he takes off his mask at the end of the comic, and it's Norman Osborn who's the Green Goblin, right? And um, the the new Hawkeye Arrow guy is actually Bullseye, which is the Daredevil villain that so they're, you so know, it's never suicidal. misses it's sort of yeah but they're they're villains who are their idea was to make the world think that they are the heroes and then they're going to take over the world right and then the real avengers come back and stop them well the reintroduction of the thunderbolts is anti-heroes like the red hulk which is uh one of the hulk's villains he's one of the the characters um he's their powerhouse and uh hawkeye was the leader of it for a period of time and um you know, you just you have like all the it's just like a different team, but it's it's anti heroes. It's like reformed villains, it's you know, heroes that are kind of like se- second tier heroes, um, or you know, guys who whatever. Right. They're so not we could easily have main like, characters.
1: I mean, I would love to see uh the vulture, uh what's that actor's uh Michael Keaton's Vulture, fucking mm-hmm. uh John Walker's captain as, as US agent, um yeah abomination like uh, there's some great yeah you have
0: yelena there. as the black widow character
1: I, I think she might just straight up join the avengers but I don't I,
0: know. well i don't know if they're gonna do i mean i don't know if they're but, gonna do an avengers maybe the thunderbolts is the next major team up yeah. right and, i mean and you, you think have that and you think julia louis dreyfus playing yeah. in as the nick fury type and she's she seems to be building a team
1: yeah i would love that
0: yeah. That's what I'm getting from it. At least that's the vibe I'm getting. Uh, that's, I think I said that at, in the black widow episode and I'm still, I'm sticking by it. I think that that might be there. The one, the one
2: thing that this whole universe is really challenging everybody is to not get too comfortable with characters. And I think that's great because that's going to allow them to continue to build and change everything at, at their, you know, women. We're just going to learn if we haven't already to just trust that they're going to make good shit for us. Like, it's hard for me to hear that there might be anything Avengers-esque that doesn't involve the Avengers as we know them. You know what I mean? It would be, you know, this just screams suicide squad to me. But at the same time, I'm like, cool man, whatever. Like just make good Marvel movies. I, like I'll trust that you're going to make something good, you know, like Eternals. Like it sounds like such a crazy concept, but now I flash back to when Guardians of the Galaxy was being rumored. And all of a sudden, you know, I look back now and those are some of the most entertaining films that we have now. So it's like, i can't help at this point but just default to eh, i'm just excited for whatever they push out and like i think it's just going to be good so hopefully they come up with some really cool stuff let's uh let's get
0: sorry go ahead no go ahead jeff i was
1: gonna say let's i was gonna change the topic back to the film
0: yeah Yeah, uh,
1: let's talk about the sister have we talked about the sister yet about her her role in the film what did you guys think of her
0: i don't know that actress i don't know that character i don't know if she comes from the comics at all um uh she was really talented martial artist fight scenes looked great um specifically her on that scene where they're on the bamboo uh scaffolding outside of the building in uh, macau uh i think they said they were in macau right um was really cool she the way that she was like kind of like climbing up things was really uh you know she's very acrobatic and very you know physically good performance um acting wise i thought maybe she was one of the weaker points i didn't think that her acting was really working for me but uh you know physically and story wise it worked for me i mean it was an interesting story i mean definitely a female empowerment message going on there um you know where it's like you know the women train by our side like we don't have a separation here and things like that i liked that messaging um yeah i love that i don't know what that weapon is called with the knife at the dagger at the end of a rope but I always think it looks cool when they when they do it in movies. So that was awesome. She was very good with it. Um, yeah. Did you have thoughts on it specifically?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was very entertaining to, to see the sibling relationship. I thought that it was uh, enjoyable. But I, the reason why I brought it up was because of the future of Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi with you know, her seemingly taking the position of the head of her father's empire. And what the ramifications of that would have not only to... Uh, Shang-Chi's future films, but also the greater Marvel universe. We now have an active criminal organization, uh, with, you know, Shang-Chi's sister involved in it. And there seems to be a lot of different like criminal empires we've touched on it a couple times in this podcast of how many different, you know, or global underground organizations there are with operatives all over the world. And then, uh, to throw on top of that in, in the last three months, we've added, uh, Sharon Carter being this power broker, and now uh Shang Chi's sister um being the head of this uh famous ten rings organization. I just yeah. think it's gonna have interesting effects spiraling down throughout the rest of the movie. They're just they're
2: just feeding new uh phases, right? I mean they gotta they gotta have people step in every time, you know, a Thanos gets wiped out, you gotta have other stuff to kind of fill the gaps and it's kinda interesting that they're doing it with characters that were good guys. You know, every time, like, you know, like the two you just named, like they're from the good guy's side. And then in later movies, we're going to have to view them as a villain. And it's going to be kind of a conflicting thing, because to be honest with you, I don't really blame Sharon Carter at the moment for what she's doing. Like, I'd be pretty pissed if I was her and how I was treated. You know, she got thrown out like garbage. So I kind of get it. So, you know, it's kind of interesting because I feel like these characters will feel more like um, Baron Zemo. Where you kind of rooting for him? You know what I mean? Like, like you can't help but root for that guy because you're like, yeah, I get why you're pissed. I get why you're doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? The sister um in this film has just been thrown out like garbage every time, and like then all of a sudden, you know, she who was more dedicated than um than Shang Chi who fled, you know, suddenly he becomes the superhero and she just gets pushed to the side, and her job is to go get rid of her father's legacy when she had just spent the last half a decade or like, or longer trying to replicate that legacy. Like it didn't shock me at all. when that scene popped up and she just started to assume, like assume the mantle. I'm like, no, because that's what she's been trying to do this whole time. Right. You know,
1: is recreate what he was doing. And in my research after the film, because I didn't want to look up too much before the film uh, and, and potentially spoil it for myself, but in my research to to compare the comics to the uh, film, uh, I learned that so Shang-Chi's got a, Shang-Chi's got a couple sisters uh, and one of them after Shang-Chi defeats his father, um, blames Shang-Chi for the death of his father and tries to kill him and tries to like poison him um, and when she survives and comes back to defeat her. But he does have sisters that become villains in his story arc. So it's interesting that they're keeping that true. One of the things I, mean, I think overall, this is one of the characters that uh, doesn't really reflect very closely to uh where the character is or was in the comics uh, which i think is a good thing because like we've touched on before marvel wasn't very sensitive in the 70s when they created this character um for example his father in the comics is this uh, great martial artist who owns this empire but his name is fu manchu (laughs) (laughs) that's so that's That's not great. I'm offended by that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, really. That's very unfortunate. (laughs) His name is Fu Manchu.
1: I was like, don't say it. Don't say it.
0: (laughs) That's so
1: unfortunate. (laughs) I really hate that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think think that, you know, they've taken a character that had a lot of potential and they uh, have made the necessary corrections and, you know, and bringing in Trevor Slyder like before, you know they're they're not erasing their history completely like they're saying yes we've messed up in the past look we can still utilize this character like i like they didn't just bring in Trevor latterly for like five minutes you know i think ben kingsley is isn't he one of our most like celebrated actors doesn't he have just dozens of he, awards
0: i'm pretty sure he's a knight of the royal british empire i think he's sir ben kingsley technically actually
1: yeah, he's a phenomenal actor for, for him to be so poorly utilized in the MCU. Like, even though he was in this film, he was still poorly utilized for his acting powers. Um, but I'm glad they didn't just have him in there for like five minutes. I'm glad they didn't just discover him in prison and then leave, that he actually had um, more uh, of a comedic presence.
0: Yeah, he intense. is He is a, uh, he a knight. is a knight of the Royal Empire Empire. Yeah. So yeah, I just kind of look a... at
2: his whole role in that character in general as them disassembling in a way, maybe I've given them too much credit, but like disassembling that comic Mandarin character that is wildly offensive. Like them kind of like having it as a thing, but then completely deconstructing it into this like bullshit character. Like it almost feels more intentional now. Like I almost want to give them more credit than I did in the Iron Man movie where I was like, Hey, I feel like they mishandled that now i kind of look at it and i'm like i don't know it was an effective way of saying we're not doing that with that character like we're we're making it something different and kind of take it like not just like ignoring that that was a thing in the comics but addressing it and then making that the joke you know what i mean like right. i like i actually think that it was somewhat effective the more i, I kind of consider it but you know i think you're right cuz ben kingsley in the that first film that he pops up in man i was like whoa, this guy seems pretty badass you'll never see me coming. I was like, Oh, I like this shit. Like this guy can fucking bring it, bring heat to a role. Um, So it's unfortunate, you know, maybe they could have done it with a different actor and saved him for something else. But uh, you know that how they handled his character makes a lot of sense to me now that I've seen him in a second film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that they kind of expanded on it and made it better. Um, Cool.
2: Well, does anyone have any final thoughts on
0: Shang-Chi before we uh, move on?
2: I'm just itching to find out where the rings came from. I like. I'd like to hear more about how Tao Lung or whatever Tao Tao Lo came to be attached to Earth. And I don't know if we're gonna get something like that. But uh, you know, I, I, I I'm always hesitant when they add some something more like this in, and I'm like, okay, how does it fit into everything else? Like, well, well, wait, we've had this, we've had this conquering warlord that's immortal and super overpowered. Like way before modern superheroes were around, and yet all he did was create a secret organization and keep to himself. He like it he seemed was, like he had
0: like an ancient empire, and probably just decided that he didn't want to be. But he
2: but he didn't change until the wife came along. So I'm like, why didn't that guy take over more of the world and become more of a factor? Well, he talks of about in the corner of the world.
1: He talks about in that scene in 1994 that he literally I think he has a moment where he talks about all of the power that he has and all of the how grow how expansive his organization was. I think he talks about his ability to. I don't know he said something about the president or being able to to, to do something into the president in 1994 and it was just like i don't know an example of of his reach of his empire and but how you he never hear about it. him otherwise in any other film like they have no fingerprints well, on is, anything yeah i mean it, no, there was no real active superheroes in the 1990s on earth right so you think that he had i mean been captain marvel boundaries a little bit captain like, marvel wasn't on earth captain marvel showed up in the 90s for a week and then flew away Right in this Which, guy it was but, still
0: the nineties and she was still active, so But this is the there.
1: first yeah. time we
2: hear anything about this organization or anything, like in the the actual dialogue of the movies, and I'm like it that's the part that I'm always like, Well, where have you been this whole time if you're this conquering warlord that has been setting up your your power for thousand you know, a thousand years? Way you had to jump on everybody and has all this power that no one's been able to beat. Like it just that part to me. Like with each of these films, I think it's just where I'm, I'm getting better at kind of going, eh, it's just a, it's fine. It's, it is what it is. Like they can't just have, you know, storyline after storyline like pushing up against the other storylines every time because it starts to fuck everything up. So like I think they have to have these kind of isolated things like that. And you just have to accept that he just stayed in, right. in you know, Asian right. countries and didn't push the envelope on a worldwide scale ever. I will for say, for some re- reason that's not explained.
1: Of- in, in my research after the film following through like the major subreddits uh, conversation, there does seem to be a connection, right? The, the, the analysts that you see at the end of the film for the post-credit scene are, you know, like we said, Carol Danvers um, and, and Wong and uh, uh, Bruce, Bruce Banner. Banner. None of them have any uh, idea where the, the rings came from. We know that the next film or one of the next films that, that are coming out is the Eternals who are bringing with them their new power set, their new backstory, their new origins. And there are 10 Eternals that are on the team for the cast. And there are 10 rings that are involved with Shang-Chi. So mm. we're bringing in a new backstory, a new civilization, Ooh. new culture, new power sets. Each of the rings do something different. Each of the Eternals do something different. Um, we, we I might- like that. That, maybe
2: that's it's like
0: maybe the it's their jewelry stuff. they just the shipment didn't arrive sure <laughs> or there's it's a celestial like i'm I, I instantly thought it must be some sort of celestial thing uh because like who did it leave a call who did it send a call out to you know or maybe it's like a deviant situation right um i do wonder does it does, is Shang is shang chi now immortal because his father yeah. was immortal yeah. because of the ring so does that yeah. make yep. shang chi now immortal um yeah uh cool yeah i think that uh that was a good discussion i think i don't think i have any further notes on the film that i can think of aside from i always love seeing san francisco in movies uh, because you know i was kind of mapping it's a a beautiful city yeah
2: like maybe you guys can help me with this I was kind of mapping it out because it really feels like there's only two locations for superheroes new york or san francisco and san francisco is just now coming into its own with its second guy because new york has cap spider-man Doctor Strange, Banner is a New York guy, right? Uh Iron, yeah. Iron Man is is New York. Uh, so historically pretty much
0: everybody in uh in um Marvel is New York. Uh, right. Iron well, Man I, is, is Ant- LA, LA kind of. Oh,
1: yeah. Iron Man's LA? Iron Man He's so in so Malibu in, in the first in one. Iron Man 3 his 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 Malibu mansion, but he builds Avengers tower in a, in New York in where that. I guess he, I guess he moves. I don't know.
0: He's sort of jet sets all over the place. Yeah. yeah. We'll, a, give him, we'll give him, we'll give him
2: California. That's fine. Um, and then, uh, Ant-Man in San Francisco. And now we have Shang-Chi
1: in San Francisco. Yep. Is there anyone I'm missing there? That's from somewhere else. i mean, you the, the entire shield. America? The, the Triskelion was in New York. Um, that was the shield headquarters. No, it was in DC. Oh, it was it Washington DC. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh Thor? yeah i mean
0: marvel is from new york um, yeah well you
1: got like
2: all Black the Panther characters outside are in new york. of it you know uh sure. thor's doesn't really register on the map here but and he's uh, in new
0: mexico and then in in sweden or yeah something. but he, he's not
2: based out of those places like we're, we're i think we're he's
0: based in sweden now but yeah anyway
2: oh that's um fair. yeah it
0: is fair. cool to have i mean hawkeye has is uh in san francisco for a large part of his comic book career he 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 uh heads up event west coast avengers um with uh Rhodey, uh uh war machine um he, the two of them are lead the west coast avengers which are from san francisco um yeah. you know san francisco and chicago and uh and new york are really the only cities in the country that are really like built up in the way that we really consider like you know those kinds of cities to be with like really tall buildings you know la is a much bigger city it's the second largest city in the u.s um and if you consider greater population like greater la it's by far the largest right um because la doesn't stop in la it extends north for like a hundred miles oh, and extends yeah. all the way to san diego there's no break in city between those two locations so i mean it's is by far the largest metropolitan area in the country um But it's not built up in the same way that San Francisco is built up and New York is built up. and If they can't smash into
2: skyscrapers in the middle of a fight, we don't want it. That's what I'm hearing.
0: Well, I mean, it's just, you know, that's the way that those, you know, the, I think that, yeah, I I guess, right? They look like what we would consider a city, right? San Francisco and New York and Chicago look like that um, in a way that L.A. doesn't really look like that. I mean, you look at the L.A. skyline and it's just... You know, you got like the six skyscrapers in downtown, and then otherwise it's just flat because well, everything's it's just, a two story to five story building total.
2: Yeah. It's just funny how the location's kind of affecting my opinion of them all because if I was going to rank my superheroes, you know, I would have Cap really high on my list. I would have Spider Man's a really cool fucking superhero. Like, you know, a lot of those guys that are based out of New York, I would kind of lean their way, but then I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I have an affinity with guys that are like from my backyard. Like, you know, yeah. like it's cool to have Iron Man be running around. The streets of san francisco it's cool to see um you know this rogue bus you know getting its yeah. brakes cut in in uh shang chi and it's just ripping through streets that i've driven down a bunch of times yeah. like it's pretty cool like and it, it moves those guys up my list just because I, I feel connected to them a little bit more being someone from the west coast
0: yeah i'm just waiting for dc to make a jessica jessica cruz green lantern movie because she's based in portland dog so let's do it Let's. who's jessica cruz uh, she's just one of the Green Lan- the newer Green Lantern characters. And she's from Portland. Of the, I'm, I'm yeah, down. she's from Portland. She's like a little hipster. <laughs> one of the eight. I'm like, Green yeah, Lanterns. fucking throw her in. Let's do it. <laughs> They're doing That's a awesome. Green Lantern series. They cast Guy Gardner uh, a couple months ago. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if he's the guy I would have chosen, but let's do it. I'm I'm on board for it. I think um, I think that
2: it's it it is a powerful tool that they might be able to kind of do more with, you know, in, in like working towards superheroes that come from different areas to kinda of connect those parts of the population because of how I know how it impacts me when I see somebody from somewhere that I have been, you know, like stomping grounds that I grew up going to and like so I imagine them, you know, if they have one from, you know, a a different part of the you know, somewhere from like a superhero from Texas or like you said, a superhero from Oregon, like that's pretty yeah. freaking cool. Like they just, you know, they have a lot I just of get,
0: I just get really emotional whenever, I a movie just like shows the San Francisco skyline and like the bridge and the bay. And then just like the different city streets, for some reason, I'm just like oh, home. Look at that. It's just right there, <laughs> right there on screen. Um, oh. Yeah. It like my heart like jumps a little bit. I just like start smiling. Cause I do like things set in the city, you know?
1: Um, I will say for, for the listeners at home that, that aren't familiar to San Francisco, the two most unrealistic parts of this film is one Shang-Chi being able to afford an apartment in San Francisco for parking cars. and two the girl's ability to joyride the streets of san francisco
0: (laughs) yes no gridlock
1: (laughs) are you fucking shitting me no
0: nobody drives in san francisco no one becomes a good driver who grew up in san francisco there's no like pro like stunt drivers like aquafina is in san francisco there's no way there's nowhere to learn like you learn to drive 10 miles an hour in traffic anywhere you go that's pretty much the extent of it um yeah, I uh, and yeah, uh, the um, the apartment thing. I definitely was like,
1: "What is this?"
0: Like her living at home with her grandma and her parents and her brother was the most realistic 100%. part of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's what San Francisco is actually like, and it's like kind of a small apartment where they're all on top of each other. Yeah, um, and they have like in the hallway they have their shoes in the hallway because there's not room in their actual apartment for their shoe racks. Yeah, I I thought that was uh, very accurate um okay cool well let's move on to recommendations and wrap this up uh brian you had a big one up top so why don't we start with you
2: um sure yeah yeah. yeah. i've been playing my my uh, new console and i went and traded in on my ps4 stuff and and got ghost of tsushima and i got uh assassin's creed valhalla Mm -hmm. um and so i've been playing with those uh mainly been playing ghost of tsushima because it's been in the in the console the disc has been in the console so i don't get up off the couch i just pick i play that one so um awesome game um absolutely beautiful like they 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 really did a great job of capturing the colors of japan you know with like how the trees are just just these bright shocking colors against the landscape and just yeah just really beautiful and
0: when i was playing it that it makes me want to go to japan like really bad totally yeah Yeah.
2: like because most of the stuff you see about japan are in the cities but like you know really like japan's countryside just the cherry blossom trees and everything's just so gorgeous and like they just did a really good job of capturing that you just ride through these beautiful fields and forests and stuff so um other than that the gameplay itself is really fun i think a lot of games feel similar to each other and this one did a really good job of of uh doing something a little different with the way it feels in combat i was telling uh jeff right before we got on that i feel like the guy from the movie king arthur i feel like tristan where he's like a two swing you know killer every time like every every time he engages with somebody it's within two swings that guy's dead and i feel like that with most of my fights where like like you don't have to whack a boss 15 times to kill him like literally the most you have to hit anyone or like the big brutes i think you got to hit them like maybe four or five times but everyone else like I'll block or dodge and then just like two strokes and they're gone. And like it's really cool. It feels cool because you can cut through a, a, a whole group of guys and it almost feels more realistic because you're not doing this whole like batter, or, batter, or, batter, or, batter, cool. I got through the fight. It's like nah, I just like finessed my way through a bunch of guys. It's it's yeah. it's really fun in that way. So um,
0: one of the notes that I had when I was playing the game, um, which I never finished because I never finish any games apparently. Um was that the combat was very – required a lot of patience, right, and attention. Yeah. And it's not like – you can't go through it the way that you I go through video people. games, which is just uh, button mash square yeah. and swing, 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 swing swing until you kill him. Yeah, it's um, strategy. But, like, yeah, it's, it's very much like you have to be like watching the movements of the character. You have to be ready to block at a moment's notice. That's exactly the right. parry is probably the most well, effective move in the and game. And the cool
2: thing is, to, like in every game, um, you know, the – there's to an extent when you're killing a guy, the other dudes will wait a second for some reason, you know, it's just so you're not just getting mobbed by people the same way that you would, if you were actually fighting five people at the same time. Um, but in this one, you do get attacked from behind in the middle of, you know, you won't get yeah. swarmed by six of them in the same moment, but at the same time, as you're executing a guy or getting a hit off on a guy, someone behind you will start a stab motion and you have to know to just like vacate what you're doing and step out of the way or you're going to yeah. get hit. And like, you only really get like, what three hits before you? are Yeah, like, that was the part that I was struggling
0: with the most is that you die very, very fast. So you yeah. have to get good at blocking and dodging, and I am not good at that part of the but, game.
2: But I, but I've been I've been warming up to it. Like it's it's like I'm starting to embrace it more. Where I'm like, it's making me engage further with each guy's character instead of just swinging around wildly and taking out a group. Like you actually have to like work your way through from from bad guy to bad guy. The storyline itself is beautiful. It's kind of cool that they've, uh, they've done the same thing as the Shang-Chi movie, where they're bringing in like famous Japanese faces. Like some of the samurai that I'm freeing as I go along in the storyline are dudes that I recognize from film, yeah. um, which I thought was really cool. Um, one of the guys, he's the, the um, Dharma Initiative doctor from Lost. Mm-hmm. And he's like a, a famous bowman, like samurai bowman. And I was just like, yeah. wow, it's so cool to like have this guy. Himself. I
0: recognized him too. Yeah, he's like one of the first uh, samurai. You yeah, I was there. almost
2: wondering if it was Michelle Yeoh or whatever it was one of the archer lady or was one of the the female samurai ladies. But that would be I don't interesting because she's Chinese. Oh, maybe it's somebody else. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But um, anyway, I just thought that was kind of cool. And they tend to do that a lot with with Asian films. They bring in like heavy hitters from that from those cultures to like represent in those games and stuff like i don't yeah.
0: know have you uh have you played valhalla uh, at all really or so i'd to really comment
2: yeah i played through the intro um it it feels a lot like you know other assassin's creed games just viking style which is cool um i haven't gotten too far into it though but you know I plan to just like i said when i have an interest yeah, in we- playing both i'll just play the one with the games in the console so i might just blast through ghost of tsushima first and then get to that one more in depth yeah
0: I mean, people people really love Ghost of Tsushima. One of the other podcasts I listen to, the host is constantly talking about it. It's still the game that he talks about the most, even though it came out like a year ago. You know, he still talks about it. So yeah. people love it. I might even, I, I haven't gotten rid of it. I may even give it another shot, but I was really struggling with adapting to that slower combat style. And so I just, I, I fell off. Um, did you have anything else that you yeah. wanted to recommend?
2: One other thing. I, I just tried it last night with my wife. Um <laughs> clickbait click what's funny i
0: don't know that could have gone in a totally different direction yeah. anal uh, no. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> um
2: clickbait on netflix it's a limited tv series or like mm-hmm. show series yeah I, starring
0: adrian grenier from yeah, yeah yeah entourage
2: yeah that guy i knew i'd recognize him somewhere but um premises uh This guy, he's kind of a family man. He's got a close relationship with his sister, but like in the beginning of the show, it's shown as kind of on the rocks. He's got his wife and kids. And uh, one morning he goes missing on his way to work. And a video surfaces on the internet of him holding up a sign. He's like very clearly beaten up and in captivity somewhere. And he's holding up a sign that says, I abuse women. And then he holds up another sign that says, when this video gets 5 million views, I die. And then the video starts going viral and the family's like the sister's the main character and the wife's a big part of it. They start taking it really seriously right when they see it. And they start trying to figure out with the cops, how to like locate him and save him. And the in the meantime, the video's just getting blasted all over the place. Everyone's like watching and rewatching it. The sister that's the main character watches it like 20 times. And I'm like, bro, you are just like cutting seconds off this dude's life. You need to stop watching this fucking video. And, uh, you know, or film it on a different phone and then watch it over and over. But stop giving it view clicks, you know. And like, it's just like all of a sudden, as you watch, like, like you're, the whole time you're like, what the hell? Like, it feels like there's this interconnected thing where there's probably somebody that you should be watching, like you should be suspicious of, that's involved in trying to find him. Because like, there's these weird moments where someone will, you know, know information that they shouldn't or something, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, what if it's that guy? And blah blah blah. And like, that starts happening pretty early in episode one where like Hmm. you're immediately start trying to figure out like what the real twist is and like there's like four or five different possible people like my wife and I as we were turning it off after episode one we're like but what if it's this guy because he said that one thing that blah 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 and then she's like oh but you know I was thinking it might be this person because you know of the way they were looking at this person I'm like oh wait yeah they did look at him kind of weird and like it could be anybody and it's really open-ended and it's it's really cool the way they did it so it'll be interesting to kind of keep diving into that one we're about a episode and a half in now um, and have no idea what's going on
0: (laughs) cool yeah uh, people are really liking it i've been seeing it around Uh, i watched the trailer i don't know if i'm as interested in it but if you at the end of it are like it was worth it Um, i actually had pretty much the reveal spoiled in one of the reviews that i read of it Um, so i know pretty much what happens at the end so i probably won't ever go and watch it but um you know uh, if if you uh walk you know at the end we can kind of talk about it and if you really think it's worth watching maybe i'll give it a shot um did you have anything else Brad?
1: no that's that's it for me go watch that Jeff, one and go play what have,
0: you, what have you been up to what would you recommend
1: yeah um well i don't know if you guys are aware of this but i had no idea i don't think i knew about the amazon prime wheel of time series that like totally snuck up on me
0: what, the trailer for
1: it? The, it's coming out soon, isn't it?
0: Yeah, uh, in the end of October, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I knew it was coming. Rosamund Pike and all that. Robert Jordan's fantasy epic finished by the one and only Brandon Sendertone. Uh, yeah, I'm very aware of the series. Uh, Amazon's been making a real push after Game of Thrones ended to be like the fantasy home for, uh, for, for you know, for tv right like they got the lord of the Rings series that is about to be the most expensive tv series ever made they got the wheel of time series that they also put a lot of money into um it's female centric uh it's magic driven um and it's one of the most popular fantasy book series of all time i think there's like 12 novels in the series so yeah i've I've said
1: i've said before that i it's uh the book series that i want to start after i finish after i finally finished the uh sanderson's brandon sanderson's fourth or fifth book whichever one i'm on um
0: i have some friends who have read all of it and uh they say it's some of the best uh fantasy stuff they've ever read i just do not have the time for it yeah Uh, yeah i have time for the series i'll watch it i love rosamund pike so i'm interested i mentioned
1: um, i think last week or, or last uh um episode that I uh, started a new anime called Fire Force. I just finished the second season, which I think is the most um, the most recent season that's been dubbed, English dubbed. Um, I don't know, I it's really good uh, action. I definitely recommend it again, um, just finished it. But uh, I also was just stayed up late last night. I was looking for something to watch and I clicked on uh, Solos, which is, I think it's Amazon
0: Solos, Prime. yeah. It's a anthology science fiction series.
1: Yeah, but in each one, like it's just a bunch of heavy, uh, not heavy, but uh, repetitive themes of uh, conversations with yourself, time travel. Um, yeah, Anne and, Hathaway's
0: and, in it. J.K. Simmons, I think, right? Yeah, Hel-
1: Helen Mirren. Um, Helen Mirren makes
0: her way into one of them. Anth- yeah.
1: Anthony Mackie. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, a lot of big names. Yeah, for Morgan sure. Freeman. It looks
0: good. Yeah, um, Morgan Freeman. I saw that. Yeah.
1: No, it's it's entertaining, but uh, I haven't finished it yet. I watched like four out of the six episodes. Yeah, I
0: think a lot of people are really trying to because Black Science or not Black Science, Black Mirror has been off the off its rails a little bit uh, recently. People are really trying to make a play for taking over that that slot of an anthology science fiction, you know, eth- eth- uh, ethereal sort of like who am I, where, what's my place in this digital uh, landscape that we exist in now um sort of series and i don't think any of them have nailed it in the way that black mirror did for a long time but then again i don't think black mirror has really nailed it in recent seasons either so um you know i'm interested to see who starts starts really making it work but um yeah uh so jeff did you have anything else
1: no that was it
0: okay cool i don't really have a lot of recommendations uh i've been so busy um for the last two weeks that i really haven't had time to do anything uh, Kelly, my wife and I did watch um, the new, I think it's on Netflix, um, called Vacation Friends um, with John Cena and Lil Rel How- 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 Howley. Um, it's bad. Do not watch it. <laughs> not worth it. Um, I don't think there was a single part in it that made me laugh. Maybe like one thing got me, but for the most part, not funny at all, which is unfortunate. Um, I like all the people who were involved in it. It just did not work for me at all and uh i think most people agree because it got savaged when the reviews came out for it um yeah that's that's really it i just I, I have not had time to really watch anything um or even edit the podcast from last week so listeners you're getting two podcasts this week good for you you're lucky uh hopefully that shoots our list our, 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 our listening count up makes me feel good when i look at it because everybody you can listen to two episodes this week um Cool. Well, uh, anything, anyone else got any final thoughts? All right. Get in touch with us. Uh, we're at Gmail uh, or excuse me on Gmail at clever podcast at gmail.com. Um, on Instagram, we are at clever kids pod. Let us know what you thought of Shang-Chi. Was it, uh, you know, did it live up to the Marvel hype? Did you like the differences that they, the different directions that they took it? Um, you know, also, let us know what you think we should cover next week because uh, I don't think there's any like major releases next week. So we're going to have to come up with a topic. So let us know what you'd like to hear us uh, discuss. And otherwise, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening and goodbye.
2: Thanks, everybody.
1: Bye, right, guys.